ヒューメンズヒューメンズヒューメンズヒューメンズヒューメンズ Welcome to the Sydney Hall Show First week in May This is, you know, a Friday show for you Friday, May 5th is the earliest you can hear this The Kentucky Derby is Saturday, May 6th We're going to talk some derby today Like we do every year Like we already have done some this year We're going to check in with the listener line I've got a couple of just, you know, general gripes. AI is back on the conversation uh, chopping block, cutting board. Let's call it a cutting board. And there's a name of a restaurant that I dislike. And to say I dislike it means I don't understand the name. And so I dislike that I can't understand it. If I got it, maybe I would love it. But I don't get it. So I'm appealing to you, humans, to help me. Help me, humans. You're my greatest hope. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. So, humans, let's get right to it. The Kentucky Derby is this weekend. It's on Saturday evening. Post time is 6.57 p.m. Eastern time. Eastern time. So, humans, we've talked about this a little bit already, but... If, if All right, hopefully, hopefully for your sake, if you're a derby head, you're listening to this on Friday and not on Saturday or even later, obviously. But hopefully if you're a derby head, you're listening to this on Friday. And why is that? Because it's a great time to, if you, if you gamble, if you live in a state where you can bet on the ponies, take the time now. And this is mostly a message to myself. Because every year I make this error. Take the time now. Sign into your horse betting app. And, you know, make sure you know the password. Make sure the cash is in there, you know. Because this is me every year. Day of. I'm already at the function I'm going to. I'm already cutting it close to have, you know, I've made my picks perhaps. But now I'm like, oh my God, scrambling to get into my app. And of course the app, you know, may or may not run a little slow. The closer you get to the race... I've never had, I've never had any issues not getting something in in terms of like it running slow. Let's say, even up to five minutes before or anything like that. But I mean, come on, we encounter this with March Madness. But make sure you know your password. Don't have to deal with this. Email me the password. Make a new password. Make sure you've make sure you've PayPal'd that cash in there. All right, let's hit it, humans. The other thing to do. Make sure you've got your mint. There, there's not much fresh mint out there. Any given day, you go to your market, you go to a farmer's market, you go to Whole Foods. Yeah, mint. But this day, there's a run on mint. Yeah, maybe some places stock up because they know what time it is. I'm telling you, man. You don't want to go to the store and they're out of mint on Derby Day. And of course, that's for the mint julep. Get your apps, get your betting apps squared away. Make sure you know that password. Make sure there's cash in there. Get your mint. Bourbon will, bourbon will be there. The bourbon will be there. 
Now, last year I addressed what my system is. Some years I buy a daily racing form. Of course, that's like the book of like every, it's nice, it's made of newsprint. You know, it's like a very cheap daily magazine, but it is, it's not cheap. It's like eight bucks, maybe more now, honestly. Some years I buy the daily, daily racing form and you can go and you can get the total, you know, how many races these horses have been, what each track was like, you know, their, all the breeding and, and things. You can find condensed versions of that, but this is the real deal. So sometimes I get that, and it's fun to leaf through, but I, to be honest, I don't completely know how to read all those charts. My system, and it's worked for me over the years. It's worked for me over the years. Not every time. My system is other people's system. What do I mean by that? On race day, I buy the New York Post. The New York Post has like three, maybe four, horse riders on Derby Day. And I just take out a pen. I like to use blue ink so that it appears, you know, better against news, like, you know, black and white newsprint. Take a pen and I circle the horses that these people have in common. And then I kind of mix together some trifectas with that. Or I take two and then add like a, you know, go with my own gut feeling or something I saw in coverage or you name it. Or just a nice underdog. And I put together a bunch of trifectas and then I bet this is a box. Of course, the trifecta being horse that comes in first, second, and third in exact order. But if you box that, you can get them in any order. It just means... To box your bet just means it costs six times more. So you can take a $2 trifecta and make it a $12 box bet. But hey, your boy here has won like over 300 on that style bet on more than one occasion. And with that system. Now, every year I try to figure out if they're putting the horse, the horse articles on their digital version. I wouldn't say I'm the like king of the internet but i i would assume i'm pretty savvy on the internet especially reading like an online newspaper i, I think i probably skew as a younger person reading the newyorkpost.com compared to their typical audience and i cannot figure out each year how to find the horse you know day of the race uh articles on the on the digital version so i go get a nice print Print copy of the post. Perhaps a daily racing form just for fun. The daily news, they don't really have as much in there for some reason. But then the beautiful part of having a nice print paper is I can use the margins in the other pages to uh, make my little notes about my various picks. Very, very fun stuff, humans. Kind of feels a little old school. So you know my system. And like I said, my system's based off of other people because I, I just take these auteurs word for it at least in terms of horses they have in common if they have any do you have a system for betting the derby humans are you really into horse racing do you know the ins and outs of a daily racing form let me know let me know and also hey you're gonna hear this the race will have come and gone let me know if anybody wins anything. I'll let you guys know if I win anything. Of course. Of course. And let me know if you've had a party, if you've gone to a party. Like I said before, 
you know, they call it the greatest two minutes in sports, the most exciting two minutes in sports. That's all it is. It's not like having a Super Bowl party where like 10 people intently watch it, 10 more breeze in and out and watch a lot of it, and then the other 10 don't even care. It's, if you're going to watch any of it, you're going to watch all of it, and it's that two minutes. You got to have your TV strategy if you're a host. You need, everyone wants their eyeballs on that bad boy. If you need people to kneel, orchestrate that. <laughs> when they're walking the horses out to the starting gate, start suggesting, all right, who's taking a knee? Who's taking a knee? Front row. It's like it's like getting an elementary school class picture. There's nothing wrong with a little crowd control if you want people to come back to your derby party next year. Everyone needs, we need eyeballs on the screen. Not it's not a bad thing to take a little hey, who's taking a knee? All right, who's first row? Who's second row? All right. We all need to be able to see this thing. <laughs> and it's gonna be hard to do that if you're trying to change your password while the horses are walking up. Although right around then, right around then is when they'll cut off the bets. But uh, you can get the first few. While the first few are still walking in there, you can still sneak a bet or two in. <laughs> this is coming from a guy saying, don't wait till the last minute. Oh, humans, another topic of the ship on the show today. The Little Mermaid. There's a new Little Mermaid. It's kind of this live action type, uh, you know, uh, CGI type thing. There's a controversy. There's a controversy about The Little Mermaid. Are we surprised? Am I going to go there? You bet your ass I am. But before we do that, and before we go to the listener line, I want to address this restaurant up here in New York, and maybe it's other places, where I just, I don't get the name. I've never been to one, and I've mostly only ever seen them. I get, you know, listen, you're, we're all in a hurry. It doesn't matter if you live in New York or not. You're in a hurry to get done with your errands. Get home from work or get wherever you're going so you can, boom, stop working for everybody else and start having a little fun for you. So I'm usually on my bike or walking fast when I see these places. And I don't work near one, so I, I guess I'm always seeing them on the go. There's a restaurant here called Walk to Walk. Walk, like a dish, you know, you can cook stir fry in. You know, the letter, the word to, T-O, and then walk, W-A-L-K, walk to walk. Okay. What does that mean? Walk to walk. It's, it's supposed to be like a, a pun or like a, oh, it sounds like this other thing. Walk to walk. And I'm like, I always see that and I'm like, does it mean walk to work? It's like a walk to work, but walk to work's not a saying. No one says walk to work. I've, I mean, people say that. And it's listen, if you live near enough to where you work to walk, well, you're you're doing better than most of us, and that's got to be great. I love that for you. But no one says that as a saying. Walk to work, walk. But this is walk to walk, walk to walk, walk to walk. Walk the walk? If you're going to walk the walk, talk the talk? No. Because that's, 
that's not, it's not even, it's not walk the walk, walk the walk, you know, like, listen, you say you're going to eat a little healthier or what, whatever they're, you know, whatever the angle of eating walk food would be, <laughs> walk, yeah, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk, but it's not walk, walk the walk, it's walk, it's walk, it's walk, do walk. I don't understand. And it's been troubling me for a very long time now. Like, I'll just be biking. And I'll just, I'll, just the way I'm doing it now with you guys, I'll be doing that to myself, you know, while listening to Eddie Money or this Dire Straits while riding my bike. And I'm, I'm just talking to myself riding down riding up 6th Avenue or something and just walk to walk 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 to walk anyway walk the walk walk to walk I don't know I mean, I guess it could mean to go walk to walk like you walk walk in walk out I, again, that that even sounds like I'm tre treading into some dangerous territory here, just kind of making these kind of jokes. But, I mean, I'm just, I'm literally, those two words are paired together, walk and walk, because they sound similar, I would assume. So maybe it means, you know, walk cooking to go. And then it would only work in New York City because, you know, most places you would be going through a drive through or they at least have a drive through or it's like you you pull up in a shopping center and then you still have to drive so it wouldn't make sense anywhere else for it to be walk to walk 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 in walk out walk 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 to walk I guess it could mean to go but that would really only work here or in urban centers. You could never have one off the side of the interstate because it would be walk to drive. I just, and I hope that's not it because that's pathetic. I would rather it still have to do with walk the walk. Walk, you walk the Listen, pal, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk, baby. I guess. Again, not trying to... I'm not throwing any insults here or anything. I'm just trying to understand what the freak it's supposed to mean. Okay. Speaking of walk the walk, it's just a quick side note, humans. There's a lot of people that say they love classic rock out there and like comedians my age really love to like, oh yeah, I love classic rock. I mean, I just, I just threw out Eddie Money and Dire Straits out there, did I not? But there's like there's like jokey classic rock podcasts, there's serious ones, and everyone's hamming it up. And listen, my last podcast was very classic rock inspired. In fact, we we wished we were a classic rock radio station. But I'm right here to tell you, humans, I walk the walk, baby. How's that? How's that? I'm waiting for the Knicks game to come on. Last Sunday. 
The game was at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, actually. So, luckily, or unluckily, like pouring rain here all weekend, so there was no reason to feel guilty about watching television at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. Not that I'd ever feel that way during the NFL season, but I somehow hold myself to a different standard in the spring than I do the fall. So it's like noon, and they're not even showing the pregame yet. I'm just, you know... I don't know if you ever watched antenna television at noon on a Sunday afternoon, but it's pretty bleak. It's programming, it's educational shows for kids where like these companies are meeting their, uh, these stations are meeting their quota of showing that stuff. I almost said crap, but showing that stuff. And then there's infomercials. And then there's like, like maybe some like, end of some meet the press nonsense but I think that's already over by then honestly it's pretty bleak so I'm channel surfing at noon on a Sunday old fashioned channel surfing and I flip past one of our public television stations here yes we have more than one and this is like the PBS station specifically and uh, there's like you know I guess you would call it an ad you know, a, pro, a promotional thing for one of their shows later in the day. And it says, tonight, 7.30, Billy Joel, live in Yankee Stadium. And I'm like, what? A concert on television? Yes, please. Billy Joel, like, live in Yankee Stadium? Okay, cool. I'm a Spotify guy. I listen to Billy Joel live from City Field. Quite frequently. If I have a long bike ride ahead of me, like a nice hour and a half bike ride, dude, toss that on. Toss that on. Let Billy sing me where I'm going. Like I said, it was terrible, miserable, miserable rain here all weekend. So I put that, I put that MFR in my calendar right then with an alert. Billy Joel concert on WLIW tonight, 7.30 p.m., live in Yankee Stadium. And I put an alert. And I watched it. I walk the walk, humans. Some of these people are, oh, classic rock this. Oh, I'm so funny that. Yeah. Did you watch Billy Joel concert on public television on an antenna on Sunday night? Doubt it. Walk the walk, baby. Okay. <laughs> Where are we headed next? We've talked Derby. I've teased that there's a Little Mermaid controversy. You know there's some stuff in the listener line. You just know it, humans. So let's go listener line. A few weeks ago, I said, you know, court, and I said we were going to mention some AI today. Well, here we go. Let's jump into the topic. A few weeks ago, I said on the listener line, you know, oh, no one thinks, no one thinks their job can be um, taken by AI, and no one thinks this or that. And I'm like, yeah, it's like scary how many things can be taken by AI. So many things, you know, can just put into Chat GPT. And I started thinking out loud. And I was like, well, I mean, I guess um, a barista can't quite can't quite be taken by AI yet because baristas and AI could never do latte art. 
An AI could never be a full barista, you know? A human still has to be there in some capacity. And I would say, especially for latte art. I said that. I said that. I don't know when it was, but trust me, humans. Good. You know what? Some of you are archivists. If you find it, let us know. Listener line at sydneyhollishow.com. Well, Brian and Pelham. I think, I think either he's seen this before. He was like, no, this exists. It must. So Brian and Pelham, very short email. Very short email. He sent a text email to the Sydney Hollis show. Subject being, the revolution will be caffeinated. And it's three links about robot baristas. Robot baristas. And they're, they're several years old, actually. Where you can go. There's one in Seattle. There's two There's two robot baristas at this coffee shop. One's called Jarvis and one's called Amanda. And you can go order an elaborate coffee drink from them. And they'll do the whole thing. The AI will do the whole thing. And they'll make you latte art. They will make you latte art. Is latte art a canary in the coal mine? Oh boy. Okay. They can do latte art. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. This isn't a fad. This isn't just something silly. They can do latte art. Wake up. Wake up. Now, you know, I dug through those links myself. You know, I extrapolated from the links what I think Brian and Pelham was getting at. Because, you know, it was just the subject and then three links. So he just, you know, he sent us basically a mic drop. We're in our seats. We're at Radio City. You know. Brian's on stage. He said the revolution will be caffeinated. And then he drops the mic. So we see him. His body language is something is communicating to us. But we cannot hear him. He's mic dropped. He's dropped the mic. He said, these are the three links. Deal with it. We're all cheering. We're in Radio City Music Hall. <gasps> or everyone's even quiet. You can't hear him. He's that confident. Boom. The revolution will be caffeinated. Mic drop. But actually, thank you for sending that in, Brian. And, you know, the latte art should be our canary in the coal mine. Because humans... Let me hop back on my AI soapbox. Not that I've ever jumped off. In fact, I'm building it higher and higher. We all know how fast COVID just boom. One minute it wasn't here. One minute it was. Now, you could say for people that pay attention to the news that like in early February, like right before the Super Bowl in 2020, people were like becoming aware of it. And, you know, oh, this thing's going on. This thing's going on, you know, in Asia. Like, do we need to be worried about it? You know, there were people saying that. Um, and it was kind of on people's radar. But, that, but you know, no one, myself included, by and large, in the masses, was taking it seriously. And then all of a sudden, boom, it was here. And especially in New York City. It was just like, suddenly there's lines at the grocery store. Suddenly everyone's getting laid off work, including myself. You know, 
you're doing all these things. You're battening down the hatches and it's all happening so fast. And it just happens and boom, everything changes in like literally overnight or in a week. In a week, you don't even recognize your life anymore. It happens that fast. Things like this. AI. All right. New York Times and other newspapers are writing uh, articles about chat GPT. Now there's like a chat feature on Snapchat. Now the quote unquote godfather of AI has left Google and is warning of dangers, of the dangers of, of AI. And to, to quote the title of the article in the New York Times, the godfather of AI leaves Google and warns of danger ahead. Well, hey, you know, right before the Super Bowl in 2020, people started speaking up and saying, hey, is this something we need to worry about? And then like six weeks later, you, you didn't even recognize the world, you know, we, it's different. We've all gone through something in one way or another. It affected everybody. I'm just saying, dude, if it, it could happen fast, things happen fast. What could happen fast, Sid? Well, I don't know. But if people are like, this thing's getting crazy, dude, you, you tell me. You tell me. I'm just saying, the last global crisis, yeah, that was, it was, there were some people sounding the alarm, but no one really listened. And all of a sudden, in a matter of like a couple of days, it was just like, boom. So, you know, not trying to fear monger here, humans, just saying, hey, be aware, be aware. Listener line at sydneyhollisshow.com. And thank you again, Brian, for the robot barista links. <laughs> now, we had another submission to the listener line. Big week for links, humans. This is, from, this is from Dan in New York. And it says, New York getting tough on fat cats? Question mark. And then it's, uh, it's an article, excuse me, a link to a CBS News article about a city council bill that would basically have rich people pay more in things like parking tickets than uh, poor people, than the rank and file. Uh, so kind of interesting. Okay. I mean, we all know in life there's income disparity. There's wealth disparity. <sighs> Here in New York, it is, I mean, it's really crazy. And yeah, these rich people, they live, they live in, if you can drive in New York, you're already doing pretty well. Because just the, the cost of even like one parking ticket here for a layperson is like 110 bucks for like the most, the most meaningless of parking violations start at $110 here. Brutal. Of course, everything else that goes with owning a car. But yeah, if you're some like, millionaire which is a million of them that live here you don't care you drive anywhere and park anywhere it's unfair to them it's a cost of doing business to us regular people it's a devastating fine and i hate fat cats go get them new york thank you dan thank you dan in new york and actually can we go back to this artificial intelligence uh topic for a minute can we humans 
okay, fine, you don't care. You're like, whatever, it's fun. I love talking to AI on my Snapchat. My spouse goes to bed early. I'm not ready to go to bed. It's fun to have someone to talk to. My boys, they're already asleep. What do you want me to do? It's a big deal. I chat with an AI on my Snapchat. <sighs> Humans. Don't be the human that like teaches AI how to do something. You know, don't be the barista that spends like a month with a programmer and with a machine and with a computer that teaches it how to be a barista. Is it time for a human strike? You know, we, we're hearing about the Writers Guild of America strike. Is there time for humanity to go on strike against AI? Like, listen, you programmer nerds, program all you want, but I'm not going to be a demo. I won't. I will not show an AI how. You know, what, what skills do I have that an AI would want to learn? Hmm. <laughs> How to inflate an inflatable stand-up paddleboard. If only there was an AI for that. Every time I go to the beach, I would save 12 minutes of vigorous pumping. One thinks to oneself. Well, I, Sydney Hollis, will stand here proudly and make a... I will sign a covenant with you humans and say that I will never be a demo... I will never help an AI learn how to pump a stand-up paddleboard. You'll never see me put on black pajamas covered in little neon ping-pong balls and stand in front of a green room teaching a computer how to fill up a stand-up paddleboard. It won't be me. Don't let it be you either, humans. Take a stand. Do not demo for the machines. Boy, that word demo, it gets confusing, doesn't it? What do you mean, Sid? Well, if you're talking to like a recording artist, a demo would be like a, you know, a demonstration tape. You know, this is what, this is a demonstration of my work. This is a demonstration of that song. Here's the demo. Listen to the demo. To an advertiser, it's a demographic. What's the demo? What's the demo, you know? <laughs> How are we going to get to these Gen Zs? To a contractor, to like a home builder, or someone remodeling someone, something. It's demo day. It's demo day. Oh, you're going to demolish an old kitchen so you can make a new one. It's demo day. You're not demonstrating anything. You're not finding out a demographic. You're demolishing. Demo. <laughs> Demo. We should tell you what, humans. Here's your next contest. Here's your next contest. Do, do by next week. Come up with a fourth. Come up with a new. Maybe there's more already four. Come up with a new <laughs> root word. And like verb for us, or now, rather, or not rather, either one.
come up with a new meaning for the word demo so that we can use that in our secret chats here at the hideaway. <laughs> it's demo day. We're going to be demoing. Now, who am I impersonating there? A recording artist who's got some industry types that are going to come in and, you know, hear their, hear their song that they think can be a hit single. Am I impersonating? It's demo day. We're going to demo. Am I impersonating someone who works in, you know, media and advertising and they're like excited to have focus groups come in and see if they've really knocked it out of the park with reaching those people? What am I talking about? Ugh. Regular people that wear like safety glasses and like jeans and they have a sledgehammer and they take a selfie of themselves and they say, it's demo day. We're going to demo something. <laughs> Which one of those groups do you think I hate the most, humans? Let me know. Listen to the line at sydneyhollishow.com. All right, humans, before we get to the Little, the little Mermaid controversy. <gasps> Sid, the Little Mermaid controversy. I don't even know what you're talking about, but good Lord, be careful. Be careful, be careful, be careful. You don't, this doesn't need to be the hill you die on. Anyway, humans, before we get to the Little Mermaid controversy, I do want to go back to listening, listening, watching and listening to that Billy Joel live in Yankee Stadium concert on our PBS station here in NYC. It harkens back to a question I asked several weeks ago, if not months ago, which was, please, someone out there, tell me about listening to music on your TV. These satellite television channels have music channels. Like DirecTV, I think you can like listen to music if you like scroll up into the thousands. And on cable stations, you can do it. One of them's called Music Choice. I mean, I assume this was for a world before Pandora. And of course, Pandora gave away to Spotify. You know, I'm just speaking from my own history of having these apps and learning about these streaming sites. But we all know Pandora was different. It was like, you know, it was like kind of what you wanted. Does anyone still do that? Does anyone still listen to music on their television? I'm very curious. And also, what's your setup? Are you satisfied with your television speakers? Do you go soundbar? Do you go Do you get music choice on your TV into your Bluetooth headphones? And then walk around the house doing things? So then, like, your husband and children, your partner and children... Like, can't use the television because, like, <laughs> one parent <laughs> is contently listening to music choice on their Bluetooth headphones from the television. So then the, the TV is reduced to a music choice logo bouncing around, everyone holding their breath if it hits the corner perfectly. 
Do you do that? Please let me know. Do you know someone that does that? I have to know if this is being utilized and, and what the brain of someone's like that does that. Now, I challenge AI to come up with something that creative. Like I was saying before, if you're worried that you might be matching with someone on a dating app, if you're worried they may not be human, if you're worried they may be AI, I was saying, hey, we got to come up with some questions to ask that only a human could answer. And I imagine that will get tougher over the years, but maybe even weeks. But perhaps right now we could say, tell me about listening to music on a television. And if they don't have a an answer that seems like it actually holds water, well, you know you're dealing with an AI. A real human would either have a very detailed answer about why, how they came to be, why they still do this, or a real human would be confounded. Totally confounded. If you, if you asked someone that doesn't know what listening to music on their TV is, and you, you tried to ask them about it casually, they would be confounded. I imagine an AI would land somewhere in the middle. They wouldn't be confounded. They would have some stupid answer, but it wouldn't be as rich. It would lack some color. It would lack some strange, weird motivation why you would still be doing this in 2023. So I think right now that would be a fine diagnostic question for an AI, but what do I know? And when do I start asking so many questions, humans, that the AIs take over my show and give you a deep fake? Frizz has done it once before. Yes, new listeners, we have our very own AI here at the show. And he did take over the show once. He didn't do a deep fake of me. But he did take over the show once. And he took you guys into my imaginations, which I felt was a violation of my privacy. But I'm here and I'm talking about it and that's what's important. Okay, Little Mermaid. Live action, Little Mermaid. It hits theaters May 26th. But there's a controversy. And to me, it's not a controversy at all. To me, it should have been a controversy in 1989 when the original Disney cartoon came out. Of course, of course, those of us in the know know that it's like an old fairy tale type story. Okay. So when I say the original, I mean the Disney animated movie. When the original came out in 1989, that's when this controversy should have come up. All right, Sid, let us let us off the hook. What are you talking about, Flounder? The fish character Flounder. People are upset about the new live-action Little Mermaid movie because the fish character Flounder is too flat. <laughs> is too lifelike is too flat humans what does a flounder look like it's the flattest fish you've ever seen it lives on the ocean floor its eyes are on the same side of its head 
of its body. One side's brown and matches the mud, and the other side's white, and that's the bottom. It's the flattest fish there is. Just speaking layman's, okay? I know you dweebs with like a fish periodical chart are just lining up to send me three links and drop a microphone at me. So, I mean, just layman-wise, it's the flattest fish. Flounder is too flat. Okay. I don't bring up my family much on this show. <laughs> but back when The Little Mermaid was in theaters, we had a few Little Mermaid toys. My sister and I are not Little Mermaid heads. I can only believe they were from a fast food restaurant, probably McDonald's, but I'm not, I'm not going to dig because I, I think we get the picture. We were not a fast food family, typically. But we, when we were on long car trips, we would eat fast food. We would have the Happy Meal. It was, it was fun. And, you know, whatever the hit toy was, and especially on trips in the summer when there was summer blockbusters out, you know, it'd be a fun toy. And we would stop at McDonald's several times on these long summer journeys. So my sister and I would be going to McDonald's in different cities, in different states. I'm using the word cities here loosely. <laughs> we were going to McDonald's at different uh, interstate pull-offs in different states. But we had a real chance to collect uh, all of the toys or a lot of the toys. Because you kind of never knew which one you were going to get for a while there. So you just go and you'd be like, oh, sweet, we got this one, we got this one. So we had a real chance to get a lot of the toys. I can only imagine that's how my sister and I ended up with the Little Mermaid toys. We had, now I'm talking 89 here, I'm talking animated. We had Flounder. <laughs> my mom was incensed. My mom had not seen the movie. I don't think we had up to that point, honestly. I never saw that movie until it was on VHS. I did not see it in the theaters. My mom was incensed. Why is this fish's name Flounder? Like, why? Because I don't, I mean, maybe she didn't even grasp that it was the name. I think she did. But again, she was incensed. Why is this fish's name Flounder? He's, this thing is round. It's a, it's not even round. It's like a triangular fish. It's more like a prism. It's not flat. It's a prism that gets, you know, that starts out really fat and gets a little bit more narrow. It would make a great cone to smoke weed out of, this flounder toy. It's fat. It's a fat fish. It's a fat triangular prism. It's not a flounder at all. <laughs> you would be insane to call that fish flounder. That's when this controversy should have begun. Now, maybe, maybe, you know, well, it's lovable. Well, it's lovable. And, you know, he's a flounder. He's just flounders around. He's, fla you know, floundering on his opinions. Not, not so much a hero, just sort of a, you know, he's like Chip, I think. And Beauty and the Beast. I don't freaking know. He's just... 
I would imagine he's got a floundering personality. He's lovable, but doesn't stand for much. I, I'm guessing. All I know is it's absolutely crazy that there's a controversy over Flounder in the live-action Disney or new movie, whatever, New Little Mermaid, that he's too flat. Here's the, here's, here's the headline from Forbes.com. The Little Mermaid draws criticism for Flounder's uncomfortably lifelike design. Dash, the latest controversy for the film. <sighs> Just, what? It's a flounder. It's a flat fish. In real life, its eyes are on one side of its face. Or its face is on one side of its body. However you want to say it. It should, it should have been a controversy in 1989. And let me just tell you, let me just tell you, when you're a kid, this is also before the internet, when you're a kid, the world is what happens at home. So to me, I've already lived through this controversy. This controversy happened in 1989 in the Hollis household, or certainly in some vehicles owned by the Hollis household. Hollis Household. I've lived this controversy, and frankly, it was when it was right. This is them undoing their mistake. Too flat. And since I brought it up, since I brought it up, what is he? What did you bring up, Sid? Well, I brought up the word controversy, and I brought up the title. The Little Mermaid. So since I brought it up, let's touch on it. Does anyone remember the controversy over the VHS cover of the 1989 Little Mermaid? Of course, that yeah, I imagine that would have come out like a year later or something. The, v, the VHS, that is. Does anyone recall? Supposedly... There's a penis on the box. I've seen it. And I believe it. I didn't believe it. I've 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 not believed things. I, I've had things thrown at me over the years and I've said, no, I do not believe that. And then someone's like, no, I'll show you. And I'm like, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. And then I still don't believe them. And then they show me and I go, oh my God. This was one of those times. There was a rumor that there is a penis, a phallus, on the box for the Little Mermaid VHS tape, the cartoon. And that rumor was going around. Again, this is like before the internet, humans. We're, those of us, now if you listen to the show, you probably can remember life before the internet. Life before we're terrified of AI. But there was a rumor going around. And, like, someone mentioned it to me, and I was like, I don't believe that. No way. So we went to a video store in Savannah. I was, we were not old enough to drive. So we, walk, we either walked, rollerbladed, or biked. I can't remember that much. But we went to a video store. We walked in. We didn't go to the adult section, obviously. 
but I know that's on all of our minds. It's on my mind when I walk into the video store. <laughs> Not that I have in a while. <laughs> we walked in. We found, you know, whatever the wherever the cartoon videos are. And we picked up the box, you know, you would have like the, it would be the box, you know, and there'd be nothing in it or there'd be styrofoam. You'd either have the hard tape case, like Disney, Disney, if you bought the movie, it had a hard tape case and it was big and bulky, almost like the hardback version of a book versus a paperback version. And which is like, you know, movies that weren't for children, just regular regular movies, they would come, you know, they'd had just that, that cardboard sleeve that was very tight. So then those were typically, you know, at, at mom and pop video stores, there was like a little perfectly shaped styrofoam inside there. And then, of course, the tapes, the cassettes were all behind the desk. Anyway, 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 we found this Little Mermaid box and my friend pointed right at it. And I was like, there it is. And I was like, oh my God, it really is. And I stand by it to this day, humans. You can look, at, you can look at it on the internet. If you just Google that, you'll find it. It's like a sandcastle. It's either like a golden sandcastle or a sandcastle made of like a beautiful sparkling shell or shells. And there's spires. And all the spires look like spires. And then one of the spires looks like a penis. Looks like something phallic. Looks like a dildo. Looks penile. <laughs> so I would be remiss, humans, if we're talking about the word controversy and the word Little Mermaid, and I didn't bring that up. So just out of curiosity, which video store was that? We assume it was in downtown Savannah. Well, great question. We were a Captain Video family. We were a Captain Video family. Home Run Video was our backup. It was like, ah, if they don't have it at Captain, we'd go to Home Run. That was our deal. That was our deal. We, 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 we were not, we didn't go to the chains. Now, eventually, eventually we had to, but that was a long, that was a long, long time coming. Your boy was driving by then. And then eventually Captain Video closed and we had to be home run people. We were forced. We were forced. We had to retreat to home run. But uh, which one did I go to? I went to home run. We went to home run. It was just closer, I assume. And Captain seemed scarier as a youth. And, and it closed sooner, sadly. Sadly. And by sooner, of course, I mean permanently closed. It permanently closed sooner. R.I.P. local video stores. Okay, humans. Let me know. There's a lot. There's a lot to sink your teeth into here. In all of this. Listener line at sydneyhollishow.com. You know what to do. You can send a regular email. You can record into the voice memo app on your phone and then hit the share button and then send it to listener line at sydneyhollishow.com. Humans, thank you for listening. The Kentucky Derby is coming up. And I do have one last take. Before you grab your phone out of your pocket and go ahead and put on whatever you're going to listen to after me, hold it right there. I have one last take about the Kentucky Derby. It's clicking around their website. And they have merch. 
you know, one really fun thing is if you go to like derby parties, sometimes at bars, they'll have the actual glasses for that year's derby. I think that's so, that's so fun. That's such a great touch when bars do that. And when people do that for parties, although I've never been to a personal party where people have done that, but I've heard, I've heard of. But I was clicking around the Kentucky Derby website and I went to their clothing section because this year is the 149th Derby. Next year will be the 150th. And they already have clothes available for the 150th. But I noticed their clothes website, their apparel portion of their website. When you click on it, you go to a Fanatics-looking page. And it's a page powered by Fanatics.com. If you're a sports fan, you probably know of this site. Like They're powering like everyone's teams apparel section these days you're like you're like basically navigating we need a web guy on here but from what i see when you go to like sports teams apparel sections of their website these days you're basically like leaving the team's page altogether and going to some site powered by fanatics.com i said what's the big deal man Here's the big deal. Here's the big deal. You used to have to actually be a fan of something to have sweet, sweet merch and sweet, sweet apparel. Apparel? However you would like me to say it, humans. Whatever sits more nicely on your ears. You used to have to be a fan. You used, there used to be barriers to entry. You had to go to a game once in a while in the town, at the place. And then you would get the sweet, sweet merch, the sweet, sweet apparel. Or you cared enough to send off for a catalog. Or you cared enough to order by phone. Or you cared enough to order by mail. And when I say order by mail, I mean like have a catalog that had like a business reply envelope in it where you would have to write down the code for the thing you wanted from the catalog and close a check. <laughs> Mail that. Hope it makes it. And then weeks later, hope your thing arrives. That's what I mean by shopping by mail. That's what you used to have to do. Now, any bandwagon fan can get their hands on sweet, sweet merch, sweet, sweet apparel, just by going on fanatics.com. And they have like everything. They have vintage looking stuff. They have, you know, weathered looking things. They have, the, I mean, they just, you can't tell who a real fan is anymore because like some jerk that just has a big checkbook has like all the gear. And you're like, but I've been a fan forever. And like, I can't afford to go to games that often, but like, I bought this cool windbreaker when I was at a game and I and I wear it proudly. And now this D-bag who became a fan two years ago has like seven shirts because of fanatics.com. It's waste. It's fast. It's fast fashion. So it pains me to see the Kentucky Derby has also joined the bandwagon. 
R.I.P. Individual apparel sections on sports teams and leagues websites. Et tu? Et tu? All right, humans, thank you for listening. This is your Friday, May 5th show. A lot to chew on there. Chew some up, and instead of swallowing it, spit it back out. Write it, listener line at cityhallshow.com. Let me know about your derby, Sitch. Peace and love. Peace and love.